Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for the man that show hosts across the country have been raving about. What this guy move. has got to be one of the cockiest human beings on planet Earth. On Earth, I love him. I happen to like that guy, but who the hell does he think he is? I like that. Okay, maybe not Evan Cohen, but Mike Babchick has a weird obsession with him. That's why I like him, because he's he's hot. He's even caught the eye of Adam Shine. Joe Serralo, pride of St. Bonaventure. Woj has called him the future of the industry. If you're still not sold, well, take Adam's advice. If you don't believe me, ask Joe. He'll be the first one to tell you how great he is. Now, it's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with, you guessed it, Joe Sorallo. I might be too strong, I don't compliments, overdosed on confidence, started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequence, drinking every night because we drink to my accomplishments, faded way too long, I'm floating in and out of consciousness, and they saying I'm back, I'd agree with that, I just take my time with all this shit, I still believe in that, I had someone tell me I fell off, ooh I needed that, and they wanna see me pick back up, well where'd I leave it at? Here we go, Sorello Sports Talk, episode 9, getting you ready for a Phenomenal weekend, the second weekend in October. It's the fall. Time to miss college football because your significant other is dragging you apple picking and pumpkin picking. And it's wedding season and we're all over why you cannot fucking schedule a wedding without checking the college football schedule first. Not that I'm adding anyone in particular, but tomorrow, the wedding I'm going to. How could you not have looked at this schedule? How? All over that all over Yankees Rays tonight, all over Lakers Heat tonight, LA about to end the series in five games in the bubble, all over the shit show. Let's start there. The shit show. That was Thursday night football. I mean, how many different aspects of this game can we look at and just say fucking embarrassment? The officials, Brady's offensive line, Brady himself, I mean, this game, first off, Nick Foles. I mean, let's just call out both quarterbacks while we're at it because neither quarterback really looked good. I mean, the only thing that looked overwhelmingly good last night was the Bears' defense. Pat's defense looked pretty good as well, but the Bears' defense was phenomenal, and that was about it. The coaching, the penalties, the officials. I mean, and the penalties, when I say that, a combination of two things. One, Tampa Bay's lack of discipline. Two, the officials just wanting to steal the show and having their hand in their pocket all night. All night, just ready to go, ready to talk. I mean, you saw when Khalil Mack got that roughing the passer call that was canceled out because of of a holding on the same play. I mean, did you see the way the official threw that thing? That was like, I'm going to steal the show right here and see if I can reach the fucking upper deck with this flag. There was some gusto in that bitch. I mean, that game was terrible. Looked great. 13-0 Tampa. That was my biggest play of the week, my big unit play of the week. By the way, people have been asking me nonstop about, Joe, what's this about your big unit, right? Guys, girls, I don't discriminate. I have been getting questions all week asking me about my big unit, and my big unit play of the week has been 4-0-1 the last three weeks. I'll admit it's usually more than a play of the week, usually about two plays of the week. Occasionally, I'll throw a third in there, but my big unit play of the week, 4-0-1, 
yesterday my first big unit loss i got one more big unit game coming up this week we'll see if it happens though because of covid and i'm pissed i'm pissed that i lost my my first big unit play of week five because i shouldn't have lost it because there was a very crucial clear third and 12 penalty with about four minutes to go in the first half that i blame for why i lost my big unit play of the week Shaq Barrett, third and 12, Bears are down 13 nothing. trying to drive, trying to do something before halftime. Shaq Barrett gets called for a neutral zone infraction on third and 12, and that was some bullshit. Because if you watched, if you watched the replay, Ufedi, the right guard on the Chicago Bears, clearly jumped, clearly stepped backwards, causing Shaq Barrett to cross the line of scrimmage. It should have been third and 17, not third and seven. I know third and seven's not easy. It's a hell of a lot easier than a third and 12. Totally changed the momentum of the game, shifted everything. A couple other terrible penalties. Allen Robinson going down the sideline. Now, by the way, I love Allen Robinson. If you've been with me since the days where Sorallo Sports Talk was a radio show, you probably remember, I want to say it was my second show. Could have been my first show of my senior year of college over a year ago, like 13, 14 months ago. I praised Allen Robinson. Then again, last year I had picked the Bears to win the division. I thought that they were going to still carry over some momentum. Things change. You know, they were two seasons ago when Cody Parkey double clanged the field goal in the postseason against the Eagles. Their defense was first in takeaways. Last year they were 28th in takeaways. So things changed from two years ago to last season when they were still an 8-8 eight eight team. But I thought last season that they were going to be great. And a big part of that was Allen Robinson. If you give Allen Robinson an NFL quarterback, if you give Allen Robinson a top 25 quarterback, this guy would legitimately be in the conversation of top seven wide receiver in the league. I mean, I've watched him. If you know me well, you know I'm a big Penn State football fan. Used to be a bigger Penn State fan. Now kind of, eh, you know, let's see what happens when they start playing. You know I've watched Allen Robinson since he's literally 19 years old, and I love his game. He is, to me, a a perfect balance of a possession-wide receiver. He's physical as hell, but simultaneously, he's a great deep threat. And it's what makes him so hard to defend for cornerbacks. You could put the little fast guy on him, and he's going to bully him. Or you could put the physical guy on him, and he's going to burn him. Allen Robinson is such a great wide receiver, and the fact that Chicago hasn't extended him is baffling because, let's get that, you know, Tariq Cohen, you see him on Twitter, hashtag extend 12. Let's get that AR-12 extension going already. But the fact that he hasn't had a quarterback. Forget the extension. Just give him a quarterback and let him ball out for a year. Let him get 1,300, 1,400 receiving yards in a year. Because that's how good Allen Robinson is. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. I don't think I'm overselling him. Allen Robinson is an elite talent. He's got that Mike Evans potential, to use uh, the comparison of the guy who was opposite him last night. You know, he's got that big body. He's got that great speed. He's got that physicality. Allen Robinson is not too different from Mike Evans. The difference is, and you can bash him all you want and say he's a backup at New Orleans now, Mike Evans has had a better quarterback his entire career than Allen Robinson. I would take Jameis Winston any day over either of those clowns that the Chicago Bears have under center, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. Jameis Winston any day over those guys. I think Jameis Winston actually, honestly, is the best quarterback that Mike Evans has ever played with because now you're getting 42-year-old Tom Brady who looks like he's laboring anytime he has to throw the ball more than eight yards. I mean, he's thrown a couple dimes. He's, he's still accurate as hell. But you want to compare Tom Brady's velocity to Cam Newton? Cam Newton, who when I saw him week one, I was like, shit, did I just take the Dolphins plus seven? He's throwing BBs out there. 
Cam Newton is revived, rejuvenated, and Tom Brady's laboring. That's just the fact of the matter of where we're at with Tom Brady's career. Look, I'm not saying Tampa Bay is not going to be a 10-win team. I'm not saying that they can't make some noise. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not even going to get to the Super Bowl. But I'm not bashing Tom Brady. He's still one of the smartest players in the NFL. He knows what his limitations are and what he can and can't do to propel his team to victory. So they're still going to find ways to win. And Brady will still have Sundays where he looks like he did against the Chargers. Five touchdowns, comes out. Uh, disappointed with where his team's at at halftime, turns things around, rallies the troops. He's still great, and I'm not disputing that, but he doesn't have just the physical capabilities that Jameis Winston has or or has had for the past four years. Tom Brady should have, and I said it last night, and I said it again to someone this morning, and I'm saying it right now on the record, Tom Brady should have retired after that Super Bowl 53 win against the LA Rams, 13-3. That game perfectly summed up where Tom Brady was at in his career. His defense carried him to victory because he didn't have a lot left in the tank. He was still accurate. He made the throws that needed to be made, but he wasn't stealing the show. That Super Bowl 53 victory was a perfect summation of where Tom Brady was at at the time, where he's at right now. He's never going to get to another Super Bowl, never going to win another Super Bowl. I mean, this was great, a great signing for Tampa Bay as far as turning them around and making them a playoff team. Then again, who's to say Jameis Winston wouldn't have made them a playoff team this year? So if you're looking just to change the culture and get used to winning and make the playoffs, that's great. They're not going to take that next step. They're not going to win the division. They're going to be a wild card team. New Orleans is winning that division. It's the Saints division, especially wait till Michael Thomas gets back and the Saints rip off seven straight wins. I mean, Tampa Bay is not an elite team. They're a really good team, but they still should have won last night. The officials robbed them last night. The lack of discipline on that damn offensive line. Ryan Jensen right now, I just want to like put my hands around his throat and shake him a little bit because he is the most undisciplined, idiotic big boy in football. I mean, are you kidding me, Jensen, with that person? First off, I thought it was a very soft personal foul. I'll defend him on that because you see players do that all the time. They said it was a headbutt. No, no, no. They were talking shit and they got really close to each other and their helmets bent. That happens almost every game, every week in the NFL. But still, this is a guy with a track record. And this is a guy who's going to get called for it every time. He got called for a personal foul, a much more legit one, last week against the Chargers. And when you have that track record, you have that target on your back, you're not going to get away with shit. Ryan Jensen's just, he's too much of a hothead, he's too much of an idiot. And frankly, he's not good enough at his job to be as crazy as he is. Right? Like, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Ryan Jensen's just not that good. I mean, how many, how many sacks did he give up? How many QB hits did he give up last night? You know, Brady was only sacked three times. Brady was on the ground all night. And so that offensive line, you know, I, I think that Tristan Wirfs is an absolute stud. I love him. I wanted the Giants to draft him fourth when they took Andrew Thomas. He's a beast. He got tossed to the side by Khalil Mack. That was embarrassing. I mean, you've got easily... You know, at least, and maybe maybe I'm erring on the side of caution here, at least 60 pounds on Khalil Mack. And he just took you after that play was over and flipped you like a patty. I mean, that was embarrassing. Now, look, he's still, I think he's a stud. I think he's going to have a hell of a career. It's his fifth game in the NFL. He had no preseason. You know, that's all fine. He got embarrassed. He's going to remember that for the rest of his career. You know, and look, he might be a Hall of Famer 13 years from now, looking back on, man, remember my rookie year laughing about it over a cigar, how Khalil Mack tossed him to the side. He ain't going to be laughing about that anytime soon. 
He's not laughing about that today now that the Bucks are three and two and just got embarrassed on primetime in front of the whole country. He ain't laughing about that right now. That Bucks offensive line is a problem. They're undisciplined and they're not that talented. And Tom Brady needs protection because Tom Brady, the king of the QB sneak, don't make any mistake about it. He's great if you need a yard, if you need a few inches. Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback, never really has been, and he needs time in that pocket. He ain't getting it right now, and it's a problem. That game last night was ugly. I still blame the officials on that. It comes down to that one play for me. Third and 12, Shaq Barrett jumped off sides because of Ufedi. He got called for it. Game totally changed right there. And that's, as a gambler, as a fan, that's where I'm pissed. But there was so much more that went wrong. I mean, Tom Brady, not knowing what down it was. I mean, we've gone 11 minutes into this show and we haven't even gotten into the fact that Tom Brady pulled a J.R. fucking Smith at the end of that game. Didn't know what down it was. Are you kidding me? I just called him a few minutes ago, one of the smartest players in the NFL, one of the smartest players ever, and you can't dispute that based off of one mental lapse, but Tom, Earth to Tommy, you there, Tom? Are you kidding me, not knowing what down it was? You know, you don't get five downs, buddy. You don't get five. You're lucky you get four. I think in the Canadian Football League, you get three. I mean, come on, man. You gotta know the situation. You gotta have better awareness there when the game is on the freaking line. And then, you know, to not shake Nick Foles' hand. Look, uh, Nick Foles is no Eli Manning when it comes to being Tom's kryptonite. But give the guy respect. He's 2-0 and against you. You know, and look, I, you know, I understand maybe the Super Bowl, you were, you were really pissed off. That Super Bowl, Brady looked amazing. I mean, what did they lose that game? 43-34? to Brady balled out that Super Bowl and his defense shit the bed, whereas the next year his defense won him in the Super Bowl, so I guess it all evens out in the end. But Super Bowl, I understand he's upset. He just played a phenomenal game through for, was it 370, close to 400 yards, and got the loss. All right, fine. Thursday night football, man, shake the dude's hand. All right, you're three and two. You're going to make the playoffs. It's an expanded field. You're probably not going to win the division, but you're a playoff team. In the grand scheme of things, this game is really not going to matter that much moving forward. It matters a lot more to the Bears, 4-1. and one. Now it gives them legit playoff hopes because, I mean, if you look at the Chicago schedule, anyone who thinks that they're an impressive 4-1 and one is blind, dumb, or doesn't watch football. I mean, Atlanta blew that lead. Detroit, week one, blew that lead. The Giants game, first off, the Giants suck, and Chicago tried their best to blow that lead. You know, they had two comebacks in the fourth quarter against terrible franchises, terrible teams that are snake bit, that collapsed in Detroit and Atlanta. Then they tried to give the Giants the game in the second half. And then they lost to Indianapolis in an absolute snooze fest this past weekend. The Bears are not a good team, but they're four and one. And there is a strong possibility that they will finish nine and seven. I don't think that's out of the question. And there's also a strong possibility that nine and seven can make you a playoff team now with the seven team field. So the Bears might be a playoff team. They're not a good team, though. They're a great defense. They're not a good team. On offense, they are the Allen Robinson show. And Jimmy Graham, give him credit. That one, that one hand catch was fucking phenomenal. I mean, Jimmy Graham in the end zone, one hand looking vintage with New Orleans right there. But at the end of the day, they just don't have a competent quarterback. And I'm not going to buy into a team as great as their defense is, as great as Allen Robinson is, even though you get flashes from Montgomery and Graham here and there, I'm not going to buy into your team if you don't have a quarterback. So that was an inexcusable loss from Tampa Bay. Good thing is they have a long week now. They got 10 days until their next game because they need to get their shit together. Brady needs to get his shit together. The offensive line does. The coaching staff does in terms of discipline. And the only part of this Bucks team that I'm actually 
happy with after last night's performance, if I'm a Bucks fan, is their defense. You know, Levante David, JPP, Vita Vea, who I hope he's okay because he is such a crucial, important part of this team. You know, those guys looked great, but Tampa Bay on offense, which they, sh- you know, in theory shouldn't have had a problem with coming into the season, they need to correct a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, Chris Godwin coming back will help. Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy coming back will help. Ronald Jones was freaking fantastic last night. Ronald Jones was maybe the only bright spot of their offense last night. But Tampa Bay, after that game last night, that embarrassment on national television last night, needs to do a lot of soul-searching. How about the national television schedule tonight? How about Yankees-Rays, Game 5, Tyler Glass now, slinging that schlong around Garrett Cole... I mean, look, if you're Tyler Glass now, in my opinion, you have zero pressure on you tonight. You are going out there in a game five. Yes, you want to win, but you're going up against the Yankees. The preseason consensus favor. Oh, just give them the World Series trophy before the season even starts. You're going against Garrett Cole, the $300 million man, got a 10-year contract that's going to pay him until he's about 63 years old. He's going to be getting Social Security when he's still playing for the Yankees, Garrett Cole. Tyler Glass now has no pressure. You're a kid. You know, I mean, look, he's young. He's been around a few years, played with Pittsburgh, of course, before Tampa Bay. But Glass now hasn't even reached his full potential yet. Hasn't even reached his ultimate upside yet. And you're going out there in game five to throw 101. Go make some guys miss. Go have some fun out there. You know, if you want, go lay a little on the Rays plus plus 140. I'm probably going to stay away. But, you know, Tyler Glass now has the world by the balls right now. Garrett Cole has all the pressure. If Garrett Cole loses this game tonight, if the Yankees lose this game five tonight, and it's at Houston-Tampa Bay ALCS, Garrett Cole, one year into his 10-year deal, is going to be hearing people say that he didn't deserve the money, that he's a bust, that it was a terrible signing. Garrett Cole's the one who's going to be hearing all that if he doesn't perform tonight. After last season, when he wasn't used out of the bullpen in game seven, he wasn't wearing an Astros hat. He was wearing a Scott Boris agency hat in the locker room. And people knew he was out of Houston. People knew he was chasing the bag. He was going to the Yankees. Garrett Cole has all the pressure tonight. Tyler Glass now, you're playing with house money, baby. Go out there. Go throw some darts. Go throw some wicked curveballs. And go make guys miss. It's that simple. The Yankees have strikeouts in their lineup. You know, they've got home runs, but they've got a ton of strikeouts. Giancarlo, Aaron Judge. By the way, Aaron Judge is ice cold. And people aren't talking about it as much because Giancarlo Stanton is hotter than the fucking sun right now. But Aaron Judge's ice cold has been ice cold really ever since he came off the injured list. And a guy like him against a guy like Glass now, advantage Glass now. Judge can hit the fastball. Don't, you know, don't, don't test him too much. You're going to throw heaters, but don't test him too much. But man, work that curveball low and away. And work that curveball low and away to Stanton. And then blow up by Glaber. That, I mean, it, to me, it's, I know, it's, it, the Yankees probably have the best lineup in baseball. Them are the Dodgers, you could argue. It's not that simple, ultimately. But the Yankees are so strikeout prone that a guy with glass now stuff, he's not the most consistent pitcher in the league, but if he's on, he's just as good as Garrett Cole when he's on. And I'm excited for this game. You're going to have two power arms, two guys throwing 100 into the sixth inning, at least. Two guys with wicked breaking stuff. You know, the over-under on this one's seven and a half, I believe. Look, you know, if, if you get him on a good night down in San Diego, if the ball's flying, you know, obviously it could be a slugfest, but... This game should have like two to one written all over it. And that's what I'm hoping for. I can't wait for this game tonight. But what I can't wait for more than anything is to wake up tomorrow morning a richer man. To wake up tomorrow morning 
to see LeBron James holding his fourth Larry O'Brien trophy. Because the LA Lakers are taking it home tonight, baby. The LA Lakers are going to complete a gentleman's sweep every round of the NBA playoffs, just like I said coming into it. And I, this team, I mean, I'm just, I have loved watching this team, you know. I went down to Atlantic City, played Portland game one of that opening series, and stayed the hell away the rest of the way. I just had a good feeling about Portland. They were hot. They came off that play-in win against Memphis. Lakers looked a little lethargic, but I knew that game would wake the Lakers up. So Portland, I took them, I think it was like plus nine. They went out right in that game. And then the the Lakers knock off four straight. Second round, Houston winning in five. Third round, Denver. Everyone, oh, Denver, they've just come back twice to win series from down 3-1. What did the Lakers do when they were up 3-1? They won game five. It's going to be game five tonight. Lakers are winning it tonight. Lakers in five. I love the Miami Heat. And I have ridden the Miami Heat to success every series, every game this postseason. Said right here on this show they were going to beat the Bucks. Said right here on this show, take the Celtics game five, Heat will win it in six. Said all those things right here on this show. The Lakers are ending it tonight. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, that's all they need. It's all they have, really, but it's all they need. Bam Adebayo's not 100%, and credit him for what he did coming out last game. You know, making it a bit of a game, valiant effort. I love Bam. I've been all over how amazing he is, how crucial he is to this team all postseason. It's not enough for LeBron. It's not enough for Anthony Davis. By the way, I've been seeing this question float around all week. And I think it's a great question. And I, I think it's, it could make for a great debate. Who is the best compliment to LeBron that he's played with his whole career? Not the best teammate on individual merit, but which teammate compliments LeBron the best? Anthony Davis or Dwayne Wade? And LeBron, you know, once he got out of his first stint in Cleveland, he's played with some great players. Chris Bosh, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. But which teammate compliments him the best? It's got to be Anthony Davis, Right? I mean, Dwayne Wade is, if you compare the two of them, now when it's all said and done, it could be a debate. Right now, obviously, because Davis is so young, Wade's had the better career. Wade is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Dwayne Wade on his own could take down anyone. He's got the willpower. Wade physically, you know, you can't compare to a lot of these guys in the league anymore. You can't compare him physically to Russell Westbrook. You can't compare him, obviously, never could physically to LeBron James. But Dwayne Wade, I saw him suffer a broken nose against the Knicks go to the locker room, come back. He's down 16 points, I believe, with a face mask on, single-handedly will the Miami Heat, this is pre-LeBron, to a win over the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Dwayne Wade is just that kind of player. More willpower than anyone. I think Anthony Davis, though, compliments LeBron better than any teammate that OBJ's ever had. And I think it's just the perfect marriage. It's an absolute match made in heaven between LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially with LeBron moving this year to the point guard position makes it even better year 17 playing point guard for the first time it's why I told you he was the MVP this year not Giannis Antetokounmpo and you're really seeing who the MVP is right now because only one of those two men is playing in the NBA finals tonight Lakers in five book it it's over tonight don't play it don't play it seven is a big number for this Miami Heat team you saw what happened the other night Tyler Hero with that last second three stay away but man I'm going to enjoy reaping the benefits of that futures bet when I wake up tomorrow morning a richer man. Lakers, ending it tonight. Stick with us. You want to talk betting? I told you I'm staying away from the Laker game tonight. You should too, but Brandon Lang's hopping on next so you'll get your fix. Stick with us. Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. 
Baby, can't you see? I'm calling. A guy like you should wear a warning. It's dangerous. I'm flying. There's no escape. I can't wait. I need a hit. Baby, give me it. You're dangerous. I'm driving. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. here on Sorallo Sports Talk, and it's time for my favorite 12 minutes of the week. I know a lot of women have said that in the past, too. Brandon Lang, BrandonLang.com. What's up, baby? You know, fucked in the ass again on Thursday. I mean, it's one thing to get fucked in the ass on Monday with Brian Hoyer, who saw to it that he took his fist and just no lube on Monday night. I mean, personally saw to it that I didn't cover that 10 and a half, and then the officials last night were so awful. I mean, listen, and I'm the first to say I, I'm never I'll take my losses like a man. But to call a neutral zone infraction on the third and 12 with four minutes to go in the half with the Bucks up 13, nothing. And then to say it was when it was a completely false start, which is now it's going to be third and 17. That's going to be a punt. And Brady gets the ball with four minutes to go up 13, nothing. And that one call makes it 14, 13 at the half. I mean, it's. It's unbelievable penalties, turnovers, coaching stupidity. You can't handicap that. And yeah. and number four is player stupidity. So I'm staring down the barrel of hitting the Patriots Monday night and the Bucks last night, and instead you're taking two losses going, what the fuck, man? Unreal. Yeah. I mean, no, listen, it was we're fucking, third- the officiating was fucking terrible. That third and 12 call totally changes the game. Uh, there was a pass interference to Allen Robinson on a ball Nick Foles threw that Nick Foles showed he has no arm strength. The ball came up about 10 yards short. That was a fucking terrible call. You've got the Patriots O-line, Ryan Jensen, maybe the biggest idiot in the NFL with that little headbutt. Might have been a soft penalty to call, but still inexcusable. It was just the Patriots had that game. They could have won that game by double digits easily and threw it out the fucking window. It's going to happen, you know? But, hey, it's uh, it's a new week. The new weekend, we're 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 thirteen and six overall, seven and six in the NFL, the perfect six and zero in college football. So isolate what that college best bet's going to be is very very important to go to seven and zero this year, and and keep the college momentum going. So that's where we're at. Let's uh, let's fire and, and and just try to get on the right side of some games. Yep, let's get into it, baby. You're thirteen and six in football in the year, six and zero like you just mentioned in college. I'm coming off a five and two week in the NFL, but Brandon. Last weekend in college football, I only played one game. It was Oklahoma. You're probably going to kill me for playing them at Iowa State. So I was 0-1 in college last week. This is the first time all season that I've actually liked the college slate. So there's a couple games I want to get into, but I'll let you pick the first one. What's your best bet of the week in college football? I tried to tell you about Oklahoma. I said it right here on your your golly gaga Zoom show (laughs) that you 
Land Chalk, after a 28-point favorite, loses outright and has to go on the road laying more than a touchdown. Just just not not going to get it done. Um, Syracuse at home, plus two and a half over Duke. I don't, I don't get the line. Syracuse beat them last year, I think 49-6. The Syracuse is at home. Um, I, I don't get the line. I don't understand how Duke is laying points here. Um, that was one of the worst efforts, 9-15-2 against the number. Their last uh, 26 on the Vegas board, I, I, I just don't see why Duke's laying points here. I think it's a trap. I'm going to take Syracuse at home, plus three. I love it. Look, Syracuse is not a good team, but Duke, for some reason, they always love them. They always want to – maybe it's just the basketball hype carries over to football. Duke sucks, and people just don't seem to get that. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to call Syracuse a bad football team. They went into North Carolina first game of the year. We're competitive. They went into Pitt the following week. We're competitive. They came back home, and I believe they knocked off Georgia Tech. Um, and, and and they're one and two, getting points against Duke. Um I like this Syracuse football team, and I'm going to grab them, plus the points. There you go. Take the orange. I want to flip to the SEC. A lot of games there. Florida at Texas A&M. The Gators, six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. A&M, to me, has looked really lackluster. I know you love a home dog, but is this the time to take Kyle Trask and the Gators? Dan Mullen, six-and-two against the spread as an SEC visitor since taking over the Gators. I mean, all they do is cover numbers on the road. If you can get them laying less than seven, I think the Kelly mom, Jimbo Fisher uh, relationship is uh, is on thin ice. They just don't look like a cohesive unit right now. And uh, I think if you play this game, you got to play Florida. There we go. Tennessee ranked 14th. They're at Georgia, who looked amazing after looking shaky as hell against Arkansas absolutely knocked the doors off Auburn last week. Tennessee plus 12 and a half in Athens. What do you think? Going back to last year, this football team has now won eight in a row straight up and they've covered eight of their last 10. I know that Georgia defense is good. I know they've last lost three versus Georgia straight up. No game has been closer than 26 in any of those games, but Mr. Pruitt has covered five straight as an underdog. I think Tennessee goes in here and plays them tough. And just remember, even though Georgia covered last week against Auburn, still just one in five as a chalk in Athens. I'm going to roll with Tennessee plus the points. That'll be a fun one. I'm mad I'm going to miss it. I got to go to a fucking wedding. I'd rather be watching college football. Mississippi State, your best call a couple weeks ago against LSU. They're underdogs at Kentucky. Now, I, I know you love the home dog, but right here, I'm thinking about the road dog. I love Mississippi State in this one. Brandon, make me feel good about that pick, please. Only thing that scares me is the home teams won and covered the last five meetings, but they got to wonder where Kentucky is mentally. They imploded at Auburn. Old Miss went up and down the field on them last week. They lose a heartbreaker there. They're 0-2. They had high hopes, big bowl hopes, and now they're out of the box 0-2. To stay away from game for me until Mike Leach shows me where his team is going for me as a handicapper when you have one incredible performance and then one big time egg early in the year usually that real team comes out week three mm -hmm. and so if they go into Kentucky and they get their, their, their they regroup and they win then you know they got something here but if they go in there and lay an egg I gotta wonder Mike Leach maybe maybe LSU was missing all those players and that's basically all it was so stay away from game for me the numbers certainly support the home team but good luck with your road dog <laughs> I want to flip over to the big 12 for a couple Kansas State another road dog I really like plus nine at TCU Kansas State seems to be one of those teams that whenever they're an underdog they make it close what do you think about this one at the Horn Frogs 
Yeah, I got to wonder if TCU, after the big upset win at Texas, what they got left in the tank. They're 5-15 and 15 against the numbers of Fort Worth Chalk since 2016, and they've lost and failed to cover four of the last five versus Kansas State. So the numbers certainly uh, support your dog there. And, yes, Kleeman, 7-2 and two as a dog since 2019, and they're 22-7 and seven as a dog since 2016 going back to the bill schneider era you were on the right side of that game they they won outright as a 28 point dog at oklahoma i think they'll be in this football game k-state good play i love it now let's look at the two teams expected to be atop the big 12 the red river rivalry texas oklahoma both disappointing as hell both suck in my book right now texas two-point dog at the cotton bowl this weekend how do you see that one shaping out I had them last year. They got me a back door with 28 seconds to go for the cover. Herman has now covered six straight in the regular season versus the Sooners. I should say the Horns have covered six straight in the regular season. Herman 3-0 and in the regular season versus Oklahoma against the number. And going back to his years at Houston back to 2015, Mr. Tom Herman is 16-4 and as an underdog anywhere on the planet Earth. And when he was a head coach, uh, assistant coach for Urban Meyer as the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, they were an underdog four times and they won and covered all four. So if you go back to his days as coaching as an underdog, Mr. Tom Herman on a 20 and four dog run. I like Texas plus the points. All right. And last college game of the week, Brandon, it's the best game of the week. Miami, Derek King versus Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, who will undoubtedly be the number one draft pick. Miami, a 14-point dog. Can they compete with Clemson in this one? How do you like that game? I want to use Miami in the game big time. I like what I've seen against them against UAB, Florida State. I like what I saw for them. Um, this, is, this is a team that I think has their swag back. But right. the last two years, Clemson has beaten them. 96 to three combined score 96 to three. So before I say the U is back, I'm going to force them to show me. Do I like them plus the points? Yes, I do. Not enough for me to make them a play, but for me to say, I think they're the right side of the game, but we're going to find out if the U is back after this one. Let's see. It's Saturday night over to the NFL, man. The Atlanta Falcons. Point-and-a-half favorites against Carolina. Carolina, I don't think anyone thought when these two teams met week five that it would be the Panthers at 2-2 two and, two and the Falcons at 0-4. Oh what do you think about this game? I'll tell you this. All Teddy Bridgewater does is win football games. That's <laughs> all he does. It's amazing. He did it with the Saints. They go out and beat the Chargers. They come back home. I'm going to ride them. I'm going to ride them. I think Matt Rule's doing a hell of a job, and I'm going to ride Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater on the road against a – Falcons team that is just imploding on every single level for them to struggle offensively against that Packer defense that everybody was scoring against something's wrong in Atlanta off to that 0-4 start I'm gonna take Carolina plus the points yeah it just seems like they need to follow the lead of the Texans and get Dan Quinn the hell out of there LA Rams I know you like to point out they do great one o'clock games eastern time zone they're at the Washington football team with Kyle Allen at quarterback and they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll admit I bought this one down to six-and-a-half just to be safe. But what do you think about the Rams minus seven-and-a-half? I'm not going to mess with that. My, my B-Lang two-team teaser of the day um, is taking the Rams from minus seven-and-a-half down to minus a half. 
and just say, hey, all they got to do is win the football game for me. And then I'm going to flip that up and go Monday night and take the Saints from, from minus seven and a half down to minus a half. The two team Langer, Banger, Stripper, seven point teaser, Saints and Rams tie in a little Sunday, Monday, fun day. Loving it, baby. Arizona at the Jets. Joe Flacco playing quarterback for the Jets. Is this minus seven number for the Cardinals too good to be true? I mean, I, I hopped on it immediately. My second biggest play of the week, only behind last night's action. Well, I'm only going to say this. I, I'm staying away from the Jets. You either play against them or stay away. Um, I said at the beginning of the season, if you go against the Jets every single week that Adam Gase is the head football coach and Sam Darnold's your starting quarterback, and you let your best player go away to Seattle. If you just bet against them every single week and don't waffle or flip-flop, you're essentially going to have a 12-4 and four against the spread record. So if you play it, just keep going against the Jets. But for me, with Flacco quarterback, it's a stay away. Okay, well, that's what I've been doing. I've been going against them every week so far, making money. So I'm going to stick with it and hope that the Cardinals minus seven to recover three more NFL games Philly at the Steelers. Eagles, seven-point underdogs on the road. That was my play of the century last weekend. I took the Eagles' money line, Sunday night football, plus 340. What do you think about this one? Steelers, seven-point favorites. Yeah, um, listen, um, I said this before. You play on the Eagles as a dog, and you go against the Eagles as a favorite. Simple as that. There's not much more thought and process that got to go into it. I think Philadelphia matches up well with this team. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take them plus the points. What about the over-under in that one? I'm looking at 44 and a half. I have a feeling this could be a really low-scoring game. Yeah, uh, you know, you got weather also rolling in there. Um, so until you see what that hurricane's doing, rolling in off the coast um, for some of these games, I think we can't mess with totals right now um, until we see where that – Hurricane Delta is rolling in with that weather. But as we saw with Philadelphia, getting more than a touchdown against the Niners, they won outright. I don't think they're going to go in here and let down. I like the way they match up with Pittsburgh. Yeah, me too. Two more games, Giants-Cowboys. I know you're rolling with the Cowboys. Take them when they're a dog. Go against them when they're a favorite. They're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. But since 2016, 6-0 against the Giants and 4-2 and with that eight-and-a-half number. What do you think, Giants, eight-and-a-half-point dogs in Dallas? Man, they, they really, really played well last week at the Rams and were competitive that entire way. And I give, you know, I give Jason Garrett and, and that team credit for the battle. I mean, they listen, earlier this year they went into Chicago, who we both got fucked in the ass last night, and, and watched them play. And the Giants had a chance to win that game outright. So with all that being said, I think when we break down this football game, I don't know how you could – trust Dallas land this kind of number with a giant team that is competitive little side note Jason Garrett goes back as the offensive coordinator for the Giants he knows everything Cowboys and the Giants a solid 12 and 3 against the number as an away underdog give me the G-man plus the nine I love it and what do you think about Xavier Woods for Dallas saying you can't be expected to play 100 percent for uh, 70 snaps every week well, that just goes to show you the state of the NFL when players are popping off like that. You know, what, what are you supposed to do? It's unbelievable the prima donnas we're dealing with at this and level. Especially, especially the Cowboys. Such a fucking Dallas Cowboy comment, in my opinion. Uh, last football game. This one is flip-flopping all over the place. Colts-Browns. Right now it's Colts minus the point. Essentially a pick 'em. 
What do you think in this one? I don't think the Colts are as good as everybody makes them out to be. I like what I saw last week from Baker Mayfield and the Browns. I think they're going to be able to run the football. But, man, you keep going against the Colts, and all they do is cover the numbers. So I'm going to leave this one alone. Um, I do think it's going to go over the post of total. I think both teams are going to score. I just – if you bet the Colts, you need Phillip Rivers to play turnover-free football. And if you don't bet the if, – and if you go against him, he plays error-free football. So I try to stay away from games involving – Crimea Rivers. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Brandon, can I get a little bonus action? There's two games tonight, one baseball, one NBA. And I know we talk football every week on this show, but I, I got to know, Yanks raise. The Yanks are minus 160. Tampa Bay plus 140 in this game five. I don't bet a baseball game unless I like the underdog. To me, the value just isn't there. Garrett Cole for the Yanks. Tyler Glass now for Tampa Bay. Is it a play the raise at plus 140 tonight? No, it's run line the Yankees at plus 110. Cole is not losing this game tonight. You signed the big dollars, and this is the exact reason why you did. As far as the NBA game is concerned, the Heat didn't cover game one. They covered game two, getting 10.5. They covered game three outright. Tyler Hero hits a three at the buzzer to cover game four. This is a Heat team that's covered every single game in the NBA playoff bubble but three. Think about that. Three non-covers for the entire playoffs. Play the heat or stay away. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I'm staying away. I'm just going to enjoy my futures bet on the Lakers. I put down two months ago to win it all and hope that I can collect tomorrow. There you go, big dog. (laughs) Brandon, always a blast, man. Thanks for hopping on. Let's do it again next week. From the movie Fletch. You going to use old fist there, dog? (laughs) River. All right, talk next week. (laughs) Peace, baby. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, here we go. Time for my final word here on Serralo Sports Talk. Don't worry, we're going to get to my Serralo pick six in due time. But there's a way bigger topic that I have to address something that has to be discussed because it ruins relationships. It ruins people's weekends every single fall. It's wedding season. That's right. It's wedding season. And tomorrow at four o'clock, I'll be running out of the tunnel, running down the red carpet as a groomsman in a wedding that I can't get out of. I need to get out of this wedding. I've got Tennessee, Georgia. I've got Clemson, Miami. I've got the Red River rivalry on in the background while I'm getting ready. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have to be navigating a a 14-piece tux that I don't even like how it looks while I have Sam Ellinger taking on the Oklahoma Sooners in the background when I should be cracking about 18 ice-cold hard seltzers watching Big 12 football, watching Florida, Texas A&M instead I'm going to have to put on a tie that, truthfully, I think is tacky as shit. Are, are you kidding me? I swear, and, and this is where I draw the line. I swear, if I get asked to 
leave my table at, I don't know, 9 o'clock and go on the dance floor with my date. While Trevor Lawrence is driving, I just might tell a bitch to walk home. That, that might just be where I draw the line. If I get, if Trevor Lawrence is in the red zone and I get told, come on, let's dance, I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm driving. I don't care how many I've had. I'm driving. And my date can Uber or walk the fuck home. I mean, just a Saturday wedding in October. The audacity. The absolute lack of awareness. I mean, we're talking like a Tom Brady thinking there's five downs last night. Lack of awareness to have a wedding on a Saturday or a Sunday in October. You have to be crazy. You must think football is played with your feet and that they have a World Cup every four years for football if you're having a wedding on a Saturday or a Sunday in October. Are you kidding me? Oh, but it's fall and we want the change of leaves and the scenery and the colors. Are you fucking kidding me? There's football on. I want to be in a recliner. 16 hard seltzers deep. Nachos dripping, melted cheese in my beard. And I'm going to be at a wedding that, oh, get this. Not only do I have to be there for the actual wedding itself, right? Six o'clock wedding. You'd think I could, you know, enjoy, maybe catch a noon game. No, 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 no. I have to be there at four to take pictures. You know how I'm going to be looking in those pictures? I'm going to be looking down at my phone. The photographer's going to be like, hey, over here, smile. I'm going to be like, fuck off, buddy. Fuck off. Sam Ellinger's in the red zone. It's overtime. Double OT at the Cotton Bowl. You think I'm looking at you when I have Texas going for two trying to win the game here and get the hell out of there? I'm trying to get the hell out of here. A wedding on a Saturday in October. There's nothing worse. I mean, I, you know, last summer I, I had a wedding in June. It was one of the best times of my life. You know why? I wasn't missing shit. I wasn't missing anything. Weddings are great if you don't have to miss anything to go to them. Especially football. You know, God blessed us. And I know I I don't get into religion on the show. But God blessed us with a finite amount of weekends a year that we can just sit back, eat terrible food, get hammered, and watch football. These few finite select weekends were not intended to be wasted at weddings. These weekends were not intended for us to lose money to go to a wedding. They were intended for us to lose money on other things. If I'm going to lose money on a Saturday in October, let it be on the Tennessee Vols. Let it be on LSU with a late backdoor cover. Don't let it be on a wedding gift. Don't let it be on a, hey guys, here's a, here's a new set of pots and pans that hopefully you can fight about in eight years when the divorce papers come in. Are, are you kidding me? I have to go celebrate a fling. I have to go celebrate a temporary love that we all know is going to end. I ain't going to make it 10 years. Come on, it's 2020. Who the fuck gets married anymore anyway? Are people still getting married? I, my view of marriage in 2020 is like, it's such a small town thing to do now. People still get married? I thought they're just like, all right, you know what? I'm ready for our life to be ruined. Let's have a kid. And, and that's that. You know, moving in together, sure. You know, maybe a kid or two if you fucking hate yourselves. Marriage? In 2020? What's the point? What's the point? Why would I commit to a life of misery when I'm already a Mets fan? I just, I don't understand. 
on a Saturday in October where it's going to be beautiful, where it's going to be 75. So while I'm, it's going to be 75 and sunny. I mean, I could be in my recliner, shit-faced, and crack a window. Instead, I'm going to be sweating my ass off in a tacky blue tux with a gold tie that I don't even like. And I got to wear the belt and the shoes from the place when I have ni- a, a nicer belt and nicer shoes on my own? Just so we can match for some stinking pictures I'm probably never going to look at? Ever? They'll get posted on Instagram and Facebook nonstop for the next three weeks. And I'm never going to see him again. What a joke. Weddings are more of a joke than the officials last night. If I want to throw away $200 on a Saturday afternoon, I could just bet on Missouri plus 23 against Alabama. Or I could just throw in a a can't-win parlay. Because let's face it, lately, all the can't-lose parlays have been can't-win parlays. So let me just do that. Let me just throw my money on Missouri. I'll throw a a 30-dimer on Missouri tomorrow if I want to be miserable and lose money on a Saturday afternoon. Give me a break. No, I'm actually not betting Missouri, by the way. So, let's get into the games I am betting. My Serralo pick six, starting off with the SEC. No, it's not Missouri. It's the Gators. B-Lang gave me the confirmation that I so seek in life. Florida at A&M. Look, Texas A&M is still ranked. I think they're a joke. I think they've looked very disappointing throughout these first two weeks. So, I'm going with the Gators. Dan Mullins, a road cover machine in the SEC. Give me Florida. Minus six and a half. Shifting over to the Big 12, another road team I'm taking. This time it's a road dog, the Wildcats, Kansas State. 28-point dog? No worries, let's win outright. Hell, I was thinking about making them my extra point this week at TCU. I just don't trust TCU. They got lucky. Last week they played Texas, and when Texas is a favorite, they shit the bed. This Kansas State team, another phenomenal take as an underdog. Plus nine? That's way too high. Give me K-State, plus the nine on the road. Over to the NFL. Got a few picks here. A few touchdown spreads. Starting off with the Jets. The game is now suddenly in question whether or not it'll play. The Jets had a positive COVID test. I'm hoping it plays because, man, I love Arizona minus 7. I just saw that the odds at Arizona minus 7 were down to minus 125. I got them at minus 115. I love it. And guess what? That's my big unit play of the day on Sunday. Two big units this week. Tampa last night bit me. I'm 4-1-1 now. Let's go Arizona for a big unit minus 7. L.A. Washington. The Rams taking on the Washington football team. And who? Kyle Allen is their quarterback. The Rams love the Eastern time zone. For some reason, they're A-OK with those early starts. Now, it's at minus 7.5 right now. I bought it down earlier in in the week when it was minus 7 to minus 6.5. So that's where I'm going. The Rams in our nation's capital, minus 6.5. How about a little Pennsylvania battle here? The Eagles at the Steelers. Philly, a 7-point dog. Last week when they were a 7-point dog, I took a money line at San Francisco. I'm not going to be as ballsy this week, but I'm going to take him plus the seven. Give me Carson Wentz and the Eagles looking to get back on track and go 2-2-1 on the season. How about a little 4 o'clock action to wrap up this NFL slate? Indy, Cleveland, we're at a pick of and the Browns are 3-1. Who'd have thunk it? These two teams, 3-1. That's the game of the day, 425 on CBS, a pick em. I can't wait. I don't really think the Browns are that good. I'm still not buying it. They've been opportunists, and I'll give them credit on that. They've beaten teams that they're supposed to beat. The Dallas Cowboys suck this year, and the defense still gave up 30-something points to Dallas. Indy has a way better defense than the Cowboys. They're not going to give up 48, 49, whatever it was, 
Indy also has a phenomenal offensive line. Cleveland's strength on defense is their pass rush. I'm going to say that the Colts slow down Baker, slow down OBJ, and win a lower scoring game than Cleveland played in last week. Give me the Colts and a pick them. And now, for my extra point, my upset of the week. I may have alluded to it before. B. Lang said stay away. He said don't do it, Joe. It's week three. We'll see what they're made of. Mike Leach coming out. Guns a-blazing in Kentucky. Look, Ole Miss might have put up more points against Kentucky than Mississippi State can, but Ole Miss also gave up a lot more than Mississippi State will. Give me the road dog, the Bulldogs. Mississippi State on the road, plus two. Throw that spread out the window and give them to me money line at Kentucky. And just like that, episode nine of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here like in a Rosarina home run against the Yankees tonight. Guys, enjoy your weekend. Make some money. And remember, don't get married on a fucking weekend in the fall. They're for football.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.